0: Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey,
1: greetings and welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in to Dose of Leadership. Thank you for tuning in for this special edition, this special episode. of Leadership, where we continue our, our Equity Bank series, focusing on entrepreneurship and leadership. And today we focus on Ronnie Leonard. We highlight her life, her career. She is the CEO and president of Balco Incorporated. Now, Balco was founded in Wichita in 1957 for the purpose of supplying architectural products to the commercial building industry. And Ronnie started with them in 1996 as the CFO, and she was the CFO for 16 years, before she got promoted in 2012 to the CEO. And I love her story because, um, at the time she was giving, uh, the, um, position or offered the position of CEO. She didn't see herself as the CEO. And I love it when people have this humble, teachable spirit coupled with this intensity of will. I talk about it all the time on the show and, uh, Ronnie definitely has it. Um, she didn't see herself as a CEO. she, she um authentically and vulnerably talks about her limiting beliefs in this episode, which I think is a powerful thing. I wish more CEOs like Ronnie would have that mentality, that attitude, that leadership philosophy, that it's not about them. It's about the people. Um, and I think that, cup, that, that humble, teachable spirit coupled with this intensity to succeed, to always do the right thing, to perform uh, everything. Um, this is what I like about Ronnie, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with her. She definitely understands leadership. She definitely understands um, uh, all aspects of company operations, production, finance, executive management. But again, the key thing here is she understands leadership and life and the importance of it in every aspect of your life. So I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Ronnie Leonard. Again, this show is brought to you by our friends at Equity Bank. Equity Bank, I believe, is one of those special banks where they understand what it takes to start and grow a business that's what i like about them that's why i'm so happy and privileged and honored to have them sponsor this series because it's been exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the midwest equity bank is now listed on the nasdaq exchange and has locations all across kansas as well as oklahoma missouri and arkansas i'm excited to see what the next 10 years is going to bring to equity bank clearly this team knows how to lead for growth And so if you feel like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader, then I want you to check out my friends at Equity Bank and work with the bank that really understands your needs. That's definitely what Equity Bank stands for. Thanks for listening to this episode. Now let's join our conversation with Ronnie Leonard, the CEO and president of Balco Incorporated, on this special leadership series brought to you by Equity Bank. Ronnie, I'm so excited to meet you. I, I got this call last night to do this interview, so it was kind of a last minute. But, man, I tell you, I'm excited to sit down with you already. And we've got some leadership gems to share with everybody. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: You know, fellow Wichita State shocker, you graduated from there. You've been in Wichita your whole life?
0: I have been at Wich- in Wichita my whole life. Uh, I am born and raised here. I am one of 11 children.
1: Where yes, are you in the mix? Front, I am middle? number
0: two. And, uh, yeah, funny story. We, uh, My parents had six children in five and a half years. Oh my! Uh, took a 12-year break. The Pope came to the U.S. in 1979, and they had five more children. No way. A 12-year gap in between. Exactly. It's like it's two separate families almost. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So So the
1: oldest is how old and the youngest
0: is how old? Well, uh, my older sister and I are actually the same age right now until tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And then she will be 54 and I will still be 53. Wow. Anyway, so yeah. So it's uh, I come from a great family. uh, Learned a lot. uh, Grew up uh, here in Wichita. And I was the first of anyone in my family to attend college really and um my parents you know there were still nine children left at home and my I was motivated to get out Uh at 18 so worked three jobs and uh my parents hadn't gone to college and so my friends were talking about what college they were going to go to so I said oh well I'm going to go to college and they're like well where are you going to go and I'm like well Wichita State and uh so I showed up there on my own, you know. Uh It's funny because I have four children now who are, are, two have graduated from college, two who are still in, and I can't imagine them just showing up at university and knowing what to do and how to navigate that. So
1: So you anyway, just went all on your own initiative and just went up and showed up there.
0: Just showed up and just picked something and uh picked, I decided I was going to be an accountant, uh, Not because I loved it, just because I wanted to have a job when I graduated, and (laughs) um, so I picked it, and uh, and the uh, rest—it's turned out okay.
1: Yeah. So what was? It's interesting. So here you are, uh, I'm mid '80s. What was the dream then? You okay? I've got to get out of this house. There's too many people. (laughs) There's too many human beings in this square footage. What was the dream?
0: Uh, That was exactly right. Um, I grew up in a small, uh, uh, you know. community north of Wichita, and that was exactly right. I wanted to get out. Uh, my mom and dad were, as my mom liked to say, always robbing Peter to pay Paul <laughs> and, uh, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. Imagine. And, oh um, uh, and that's not a life I wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. it was chaos and I wanted, uh, control and, and, uh, security. So, uh, the way to, Get that I felt was to go to college and to get an education, and that is one thing I learned from my parents: is that you just have to work hard. Yeah. And so, uh, in that respect, you know, they, they, uh, you know, set me uh, on the right path.
1: So we were in college, and, and you picked accounting, and in, you became a CFO. So obviously, you didn't waiver or change majors; you stuck with accounting. I mean, did you? Did as you got into it, we're you like, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. Or was it just
0: something you felt like you had to do? Yeah, uh, it was more something I had to do. I mean, um, I just picked it, not knowing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids now—you know, my kids that are in school—they they worry about, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do either. And I just picked something, and it and it turned out okay. Right. And um, you know, I think they, I think there's a misconception that you have to know have your whole life planned out plan, as yeah. as these kids uh, that are going off to school and and that's just not the case and um so you know just it turned out I do like to do puzzles which really that's what accounting is it's puzzle solving that's right everything has to fit and uh so in that respect you know it it's uh it's been a good field for me
1: yeah so probably intuitively I mean, you kind of knew what your strengths were. And for whatever reason, you were probably drawn to accounting because you knew, you know what I mean, that's how you were kind of wired maybe. I don't know.
0: Right, right. Well, I knew I couldn't be a teacher or, right. uh, you know, or a, uh, you know, a nurse or a doctor. I was like, no, that has – that was not how I was wired, as as you say. Uh, definitely more numbers and and uh, and, you know control and things yeah. fitting together. So. Yeah,
1: right. Typical things I'd want to see in a CFO or a CPA <laughs> or accountant. Right. I see that. I get that. And, and so how did we find ourselves as a, as a CEO of a manufacturing company for the last six years? How did we get there?
0: Well, interestingly enough, while I was in college, uh, I was in a sorority at Wichita State, and one of our alumni asked me if I wanted to do part-time tax. During the, uh, during the school year, and they would work around my schedule. And I said, sure. So I did that. And after a year, they said, well, do you just want to come work for us full time so I didn't have to interview when everyone else was interviewing and being all worried about were they going to you know, get a job? And so I just kind of fell into it. And uh, so then when I started there, they were like, well, you know, you have to sit for the CPA. And I'm like, oh, okay. That had never been a goal of mine, but because of where I ended up, it was just expected right so I ended up uh, taking the CPA and passed it and uh, and then ended up going to work uh, for a client as a controller did that for five years and uh, and then I got the opportunity to come to Balco uh, 22 years ago in the capacity as CFO did that for 16 years and now I'm the CEO after six years so
1: we, we were talking pre-recording um, that they offered you the job, and you initially turned it down. Tell me about that.
0: Right. Well, um, you know, at, at BALCO, we are, uh, we're a relatively small company, about 80 employees. Um, and uh, so when you work for a company of that size, you wear a lot of different hats. Sure. So I was heavily involved not only in the finance side but in the production side, in HR, in dealing with the uh, – the law firms and the banks and, and all across the board. And uh, so um, our CEO was retiring and uh, our board asked me if I was interested in, uh, in uh, taking on the CEO position. And uh, I, I thought about it and I said, no, I don't, I don't think so. You know, I think I'm good in the role I'm, I'm, I'm in and think that's where I contribute best. And, And so I went home and I told my husband and he said, you, what, what do you mean you turned it down? He said, you do that role now. And I said, well, you know, but you know, I'm, I'm risk averse and I don't like, you know, I, I feel like I'm good at this. I'm good at what I do. And, and I don't have all this, this knowledge of the sales side and the strategic planning and things like that. And, and, uh. Anyway, so he, uh, he bit his tongue and, and, you know, and, and, you know, was very supportive and said, you know, ultimately it was my decision, but, you know, he, he was disappointed that, that I hadn't considered it. And, uh, so fortunately a few months later, they couldn't get anyone to move to Wichita, uh, that was willing to take the position for what they were willing to pay. And they came back and said, would you reconsider, would you take the CEO position? And, uh, and at that point I decided I didn't need to know everything that I did have good people that I was surrounded by that had the sales expertise and uh and that and that there wasn't any reason that I couldn't uh continue to be successful in the CEO role.
1: Yeah, I love that story for a whole host of reasons. First of all, I love the <laughs> Uh, because what I sensed is when you originally turned it down, I love how the limiting beliefs that you had. I'm, I'm sensing there was a huge part of you that probably said, you know, I think I'd like to do it, but there was probably a lot of head trash noise telling you, <laughs> who are you thinking you could do this, right? And, That's
0: exactly right.
1: And it, it took me a long time, too, to figure out that we all have and no matter what levels of success we've seen somebody or levels of significance that we've seen somebody accomplish, they still deal – We even today, I mean, I deal with it. I'm sure you deal with it even mm-hmm. to this day, right? And it's funny how your husband surely saw – you know, he was – are you kidding? Why would you turn it down? Because he knew you. He saw that side of you that knew that probably wanted to take on this challenge, but you just didn't believe it for whatever reason. So right. you had 4 months to ruminate, pray, think about whatever and you're like, "You know, maybe I, you know what I mean?" And then how did you come to that in the that 120 days that or 160 days did you figure out, "Yeah, okay, I do want to take this on." I mean, what happened? You know, what what made you realize, "You know what? I am surrounded by smart people. I don't have to have all the answers." What do you think that caused right. you to realize that?
0: Well, I Number one, I know, you know, my husband's support was one thing, but also, um, I have a true love for the company and right. our employees. And, uh, and we had weathered some difficult CEOs, not, not, not the gentleman I was replacing, but prior to his yeah. tenure, we'd weathered some difficult CEOs. And, uh, and th- my fellow, uh, coworkers actually gave me that courage and encouraged me and said, essentially we'll follow you we we believe in you we know that you have the best interests of the company at heart you've been here through thick and thin and if you will take it on you know we support you and we're behind you and so that was a big uh that was a big reason why i agreed to take it
1: i love that and what a confidence i think that's you know maybe maybe that was the first time but to hear somebody say that, to realize, man, I, to realize the influence that you have over you. We don't see it in ourselves, Run Time. I always contend that we don't realize how much influence we actually have. I think sometimes, and what I see from you, sitting across from you, that you do have this intensity of will about you, but you have this humble, teachable spirit. And it's that combination that I think makes great leaders. I see that in you just from sitting across well, from you. I and to well, I appreciate that. I think and, we should be friends right. after this. But I'm thinking, and I say this on the show a lot, and I don't, and I d- I didn't come up with that Venn diagram myself. That c- came to me uh, when I read Jim Collins' Good to Great, you know, 18 years ago, where he talks about that type of leadership, that intensity of will, with that humble, teachable spirit. And it's been a guide that I've, when I coach and even myself, I try to. That's the sweet spot that I I seem to hit because when you look at and I don't know why we do I think I know why we do this, but even from the playground when you're in grade school and they're picking team captains, it's always the gregarious, you know, type A personality that do this. When you're coaching your little league your kids' little league team and they're looking for someone to volunteer for the the snack parent, you know, there's always <laughs> some guy that
0: oh do it, you know, and,
1: and we and we we shy away from that, you know. I'm an introvert. You seem like kind of an introvert. I don't know you that that well, but you've got it. You're you're introverted, but you've got an intensity about you. You got an authenticity about you and a vulnerability about you that exudes strength. Right. It's that dichotomy that I think is so powerful that I don't think a lot of leaders, the type of leadership that I'm talking about that you seem to exude. I don't know. I said a lot there. But what do you you think about what I just said?
0: Well, I mean, that's all very complimentary. So um, (laughs) thank you. but, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think sometimes we uh, lack faith in ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and that sometimes, it, you know, we, we need to stop listening to that little voice in the yeah. head because we're constantly bombarded with messages that we're not good enough and that mm-hmm. there's someone better and oh, and uh, and that we're somehow lacking. And... Uh, and uh, you know, in, in reality, that's just not the case, you know, and that's that's one thing that I've learned is, and, you know, as we were talking earlier, um, you know, everyone brings value, and uh, regardless of the level, and um, it's important that they know that, and I think that's one thing, one way that some of our leaders uh, are failing, uh, you know, those who are following us, is that they don't, uh show appreciation or value at every level. Yep. Um, and, I mean, because none of us woke up being in a leadership role. I mean, right. uh, you know, some of us are more fortunate than others and have lucked, you know, have had good mm-hmm. luck. and um, But um, anyway, so it, so it's, uh, you know, I think that's something that we can do better
1: as leaders. I agree. And I, I think it's important to think if we want to be, yeah, I, I, and I get I – can, i I'm putting myself in your position and offering that role and think – and if I didn't see myself as a leader for whatever reasons, you know, I, I've had that conversation with myself many times like, who, who am I? Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure myself out and I'm supposed to teach this guy. I can't <laughs> – you know, I got to get this figured out before – but it's kind of like being a parent. It'd be yeah. ideal if you were a perfect parent by the time you had kids, but you don't have the choice. You have to change the tires. You're going the flat tires. You're going seventy miles down the runway. You don't have, or down the highway. You don't have a choice, right?
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And we tell our kids all the time, "Oh yeah, we're screwing you up." They, <laughs> you know, when you have your own kids, you can screw them up. But right. you know, it doesn't. You know, parenting doesn't come with a, a manual, mm-hmm. and uh, and all kids are different. So mm-hmm. what works for one does not work for another, exactly. and and it's the same and same in the work environment. I mean, you have you have different age groups, you have different, uh, you know, backgrounds, and different socioeconomic levels, and there are different things that motivate people. And uh, so the, you know, the key, I think, you know, to, to success, not only for the company, but for the employees is to figure out how do you motivate them so that they can be successful.
1: Yeah, and I, it, it's interesting because I think it's, And part of our task or our obligation as leaders is when we're put in this role. Again, it's not to have all the answers, not to fulfill some image that we have. You know, that image we have is probably flawed. You know, oh, I got to be like John Wayne or I got to be what? No, you got to be authentically you. And you're right. It's like, how can I add value to this transaction? And getting those individuals that we're accountable for, getting them to think that way too. How can I add value to this? How can I add value? To me, it's always about adding value in a selfless way. Not in the way that, like, oh, it, the key to be influential is to add value to your life. Well, it's selfish to me to go, "Hey, look at all the value I'm adding, you, Ronnie. Mm. You know, validate that I'm a good guy, right? <laughs> right?" It's selflessly adding that value and pulling yourself back, and that's what I see in you as a strength. And that's probably in in spades when the people are telling you, "Why you've been doing it?" Because you were down in the, like you said, a small company. You're down in the trenches. Mm. You know, digging ditches with them, you know, figuratively, you know. Right. You know, Counting inventory. Counting inventory, yeah. sweeping mm-hmm. the floors, doing mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it's like it's what I call actively leading how you want things to be. Sometimes people, they put on the the leadership T-shirt or the CEO shirt, hat, and they feel like they got to be somebody different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why you said no initially is because – oh i'm that's I'm not cut out for that well. right
0: well, you know, and I think uh you know I used to always think, especially you know r- early in my career, you know you would look and read you know fortune magazine and and things like that, and just think, oh my gosh, these people are so successful right. they ha- they are so smart, they have all of the answers, right. and you know, probably nine times out of ten they just surrounded themselves with good people i mean no no don't get me wrong i know that there are some brilliant brilliant people but uh you know I well mean, it's, it's
1: you not it's almost like you need other people like you need people like your husband and other people that love you in your life to remind you how much value you bring because that humble teachable spirit just by this that having that nature you don't you don't like promoting yourself right right and so you need people just like you're reminding you know man i i love having you on the team this is what you do great and Mm -hmm. reminding of the value they bring to the table right right
0: well on that and i will consider my life to have been a success if i can help someone else to reach their potential i mean that's that to me that's that's more valuable to me than a raise I mean if 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 I can get someone you know like I said I grew up in a blue collar community north of Wichita and where a lot of people didn't go to college uh, mm-hmm. you know some people didn't finish high school um and so if I can take someone and that I work with and and be you know help facilitate you know that mindset that hey you can do you right. can do whatever you want you you just have to put your mind to it and, you know, and work hard and, and what can we do to help you? And if they can take that advice and, and, uh, and be successful and make, uh, you know, make a change in their life for the better, then that's, that to me would be a life well lived.
1: Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of this special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise Vision and hard work, and over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side by side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ Exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business. And I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. You know, when you really swim in the leadership pool, it is sacrificial. I mean, it's completely sacrificial. You sacrifice your time, your rights, your freedom. Right, right, right. And well, and
0: ultimately, I always tell them I'm the woman to blame. Right. right. I mean, the accountability piece—it's yeah, heavy. <laughs> if things go down, it's heavy. Right? And, and that's what I think keeps me up at night. You know, sure. is, is that I've we've got, you know, 80 families that are relying ultimately life. on some of the decisions it's that I'm making. Death.
1: Those are life and death right. decisions, right? right? And it's a heavy burden, but. And you might think, well, my God, why would I even want to do that? <laughs> and you may still even do that occasionally. But I mean, at the same time, it's that sacrifice. Those that truly do sacrifice, those are the ones that get to experience—I don't know what what's the, the the resurrection power that comes with that of significance, right? Of of a what you just said—the the kind of the emotional, the, the the emotional piggy bank. That's what drives you, right? right? And right. I think that is that—that's the power of of successful leaders and the legacy that you leave behind. And it feels weird to talk about it. He's like, Oh, who am I to leave a legacy? Well, you're going right. to leave one whether you like it or not. Right. So you, right. you better put some intention behind it. Yeah, and, and, I'd, I'd and,
0: like, you know, when I'm gone, I'd like people to say, you know, she was a good person. Sure. And, and she did good things. And, and you made it, it, the campsite made better it, than you found exactly. it. Right. That's <laughs> you exactly. Made
1: it, made it better than you found it. Oh, I love it. I love everything you're saying there. It's, it's interesting to, to see, you know, um, particularly where you're at now, you're in your mid-50s. Um, where do you think it's, this is going to go? I mean, where if you could sit there and, and kind of look ahead, where would you want it to go on uh, the leadership front?
0: On the leadership front, really, I think, you know, I would like to see it, um, you know, probably take it out to the community a little bit more. I, I think that some of our, uh, you know, our students um, that are, attending schools, attending some of the public schools here, you know, that, that maybe don't have the role models, yeah. um, either either in their school environment or in their home environment. Um, it, you know, I'd like to be able to uh, make a difference in, um, in perhaps in their lives. You know, like I said, I'm very fortunate. I come from a very loving and supportive family crazy but loving <laughs> right. and supportive and and i realized that 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 i hit the lottery when yeah. that when it comes to yeah. that i mean we didn't have a, we didn't have much money um and we always had someone there was always someone staying with us uh be it uh a, a relative be it a neighbor uh hitchhikers i mean god watched <laughs> out for us uh growing up but but there was just – we were surrounded by love, and uh, and I know that that, that is wanting yeah. in, in our society now. I think you're
1: right, and it's just like and, – and if we can take it out uh, – to me, I th- if we can get that 16-year-old, that 17-year-old to start thinking what it means to think and act like a leader because we get – I mean, even when we were 16 to 17, we didn't know what it was, and we were just so <laughs> wrapped up in whatever trying to – buy beer with a fake ID or whatever. That was our problem. I was just trying
0: to work and pay for gas. Yeah, right. right. Exactly.
1: Trying to find money just to fill up, put two gallons of gas in your car. Right. Well,
0: my first car payment I got was, my car payment was $49.50 a month for a, you know, for a 77 rusted out Mustang. I mean, but I had a two-year loan on it and... (laughs) It, you know, and so I had, you know, you had to work, and, mm-hmm. you know, and that was at 16 or you were walking. That's right. And uh, so I was motivated, but um, anyway, times are a little different now. They
1: are a little different, but I think in, in, uh, it seems scary because as the father of four daughters, and I look at that, and I just, even now, and me and my wife were talking this morning about uh, it was funny. We were at dinner, I don't know, a couple weekends ago, and we're at the table I was sitting at. We could see these homecoming kids coming into the restaurant and they were sitting right across we were at a booth at the back of the restaurant we're a table so this six kids three girls three boys dressed in the nines mom's coming in taking pictures of the big night or whatever and then the mom the parents left to eat their dinner and then they all nobody talked to each other they all six of them got on their phones right and they spent the entire evening at dinner on their phones right and I was like wow things are really different and you know and and we get so and even listen to my daughters and talk about what the kids are talking about what's important and I'm like uh, and I don't mean to sound like an old fuddy-duddy but if they just understood the value of of this kind of sacrificial leadership you know what I mean mm-hmm. of, and giving back to the community and it's all tied to me it's all tied together from right. the family to yourself individually to get over the head trash mm-hmm. to Uh, Add value to every transaction, right? That To me, that is the secret sauce.
0: Right. Well, I I believe that, and I was raised this way, that, you know, all of the blessings that we have is so that we can be a blessing to someone else. Exactly. I mean, that's what it is. It's not mine. Uh, You know, I have the use of it while I'm here, but it's not you know it's not oh i pulled myself up by my own bootstraps i just happened to win the lottery by being born in the united states that's right being born in the state of kansas being born uh to uh, uh parents you know a two parent household yes uh, you know having you know loving siblings and and family and roof over my head and running water and and drinkable water i mean yeah. th- that had nothing to do with my hard work i won the lottery in those respects and and there's just so many other ways that that is the case. And um,
1: I agree with you. It's the obligation of making right. it better than if that is the only the, the really the one obligation we have. And, and again, I think why leadership is important is to make the place better than mm-hmm. you found
0: it. Otherwise, you're shaming the angels, right? Well, well, to to whom much is given, much is expected. Exactly. Right. right. So um, and that's not why we do it. But there's there's just that there's yeah. that knowledge that there's you know, it comes with some expectations it as does. to what you're going to do with it it
1: does very good I, I, again father four daughters i'm always I love on this show I love talking to um, uh, women who have uh, in, in leadership roles that are traditionally you don't find a lot of women in unfortunately um, talk to me a little I'm always trying to talk to them and show them i've worked with some and I contend to this that some of the best leaders I've ever worked for have been women. I honestly think women. the type of leadership of course that i think is needed is women i think naturally gravitated more than men i don't know if that's wiring or if it's the way the society is or what i don't at, at this point i don't care i can't figure it out i just know from my experience like some of the best leaders that i have worked have been women some of the worst leaders i've worked for have been women too um i'll share with you more why i think it's both but i wanted i want to get your take on what do you what do you think when you hear me say that
0: I'm not surprised uh, because I, too, have worked with some great women. I've worked with some (laughs) not-so-great women. And, um, you know, being a woman now, um, you know, in this business climate, I I think we have – we definitely have much more of a voice than we have in the past. Uh, You know, once again, I'm very fortunate, uh, you know, to have been born in a time when I haven't had to fight – like women before me, uh, for my seat at the table, uh, for my voice. Uh, and, uh, so, and, so in that respect, I'm very thankful for the women who've gone before me and who fought that fight. But, um, but I think, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I read the, uh, lean in by, uh, Sheryl Sandberg and, and, uh, it's funny, um, I have a 28-year-old daughter who is a CPA and, and a controller at a, a company down in Lima, Peru. She speaks Spanish wow. fluently. Wow. So, uh, so she, you know, read this book and encouraged me to read it. And, uh, and one of the things that I'm known for at our office is I like to bake. And I bake cookies. If, if we've got a, a department that is doing well and, or has, you know, uh, hit some milestone, I will bake homemade cookies and bring them to work. And, uh, and she's like, Mom, haven't you read that book? You're not supposed to do that. that that's, a, that's a feminine role, and you're setting yourself up and uh, for people not to value you. And I said, you know, I, I don't put value in myself based on what a book is saying. I mean, they appreciate it. They know that I'm making this. Number one, they know I enjoy it. But number two, it's a sign of appreciation. They know that I took time out of my day. I could have gone to the store and bought cookies. It's not the same as making homemade cookies with butter and, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, Nestle's chocolate chips and peanut butter m ms and they just know that. And um, so I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not a typical uh, female uh, CEO, uh, but um, that's, well, I mean, but that's just.
1: But you're hitting on the point exactly why I said it, and this is why I think the more I've seen the not-so-great, Uh, leaders I've worked through who are women, the ones who are really fantastic, you're hitting on right there. It's it's all about the authenticity and transparency thing. And not even, it's almost like, uh, I don't want to say ignore the gender piece, but if you have to come in and remind me that you're, you know, if you're constantly reminding me, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like this. If I fly for the airlines, right? Mm -hmm. And the saying is, if, if I am the captain, I have to keep reminding you that I'm the captain. I'm not a very good captain. <laughs> right,
0: right. That's that. Yeah, that's a that's a good analogy. And it's
1: kind of the same thing. What I mean when we when we talk about these roles as CEOs, and I think, and I'm speaking as a man, as a father, of four daughters. I, I want my daughters to be the most, you know, kick ass, you know, take them by the throat. Don't take no prisoners. Women that they can possibly be at the same time, I want them to be – and what I mean by that is you get there by being authentically you, right? right? And you don't try to be something that you're not, I guess is my point. And the one I see where people – and it's the same with men. It's just like if I it's, – it's the same if I see an introverted leader try to be John Wayne. Mm-hmm. right? It's a failure. If I right. see a, a woman in a leadership role try to be one of the boys mm-hmm. – then that's just setting yourself. What does that even mean, by the way? And then why are we even wasting? And it just be you, and by you baking the right. cookies, that
0: is just who I am. Right. 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 Does that yeah. make sense? Well, and I think sometimes uh, women can have a chip on their shoulder.
1: Well, yeah, and that's and what so I meant by being then one of the That puts up a wall,
0: uh-huh. and so then you don't get the cooperation, and and you immediately have put up a barrier. To future success, yeah. I mean, because it's like, oh, like I, have, you know, I have to walk on eggshells because I don't, you know. Yeah. Now, now know, I be-
1: can't have the difficult conversation with you right. because I'm like, oh, what do I say? I don't want to. You know what <laughs> Is mean? she going to cry? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It's kind of like I want my wife to be able to tell me if I'm about to walk out the door that I got bad breath, right? Right. right. Because yeah. she's doing it because she loves me, right? And we need to have that same as as a, a working relationship. You want people as a CEO to be authentic and honest with you, and the right. only way that you can do that is open this up and show your heart and be you, right? Right.
0: You just have to be yourself. Be That's yourself. Exactly right. Anyway.
1: It sounds so easy when we're talking about it here at Ground Zero, <laughs> you know, zero miles an hour. But right. as we're faced as human beings, we're we're weird and we're dysfunctional, and you get in the work environment, and weird, dysfunctional things happen. But I don't know. I, I you just seem to me like you exude this authenticity, this transparency. I think that has been probably a huge element to your success. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, I think um, you know. I th- I think that that has. That has helped me. Uh, I, I'm not. I never have. You know, being an accountant, maybe I'm not one to put on airs. Uh, I'm yeah. probably not overly dramatic. I mean, what you kind of what you see is what you get. Um, but um, you know, I think I think that people can tell authenticity, yeah. and they can tell when you're being fake. Yeah. And uh, if people think you're fake they're not going to get behind you and they're yeah. not going to follow you. And and you might be successful for a little while, but not long-term. And um, so you're either, uh, uh, you're probably going to be replaced or you're going to have to be, go be happy somewhere else because, yeah. um, you know, it takes a team for a company to be successful. And and in that role, they've got to be able to get behind someone that they believe in. Yeah.
1: What would you tell that 16-year-old Sophomore girl who's sitting there trying to navigate her world in this kind of weird social media world, and what would right. you what would you tell them?
0: Well, you know, it's like my youngest is nineteen. I've I've got a nineteen year old uh, daughter and a twenty uh, one year old daughter uh, in college right now, and uh, you know they they uh, they're so serious. <laughs> I know, <laughs> like, right? You know, my my husband and I are like, chill out. No <laughs> you know, it's college. Enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and, uh, but they, they get so worked up and, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're constantly being exposed to, uh, through social media that all of these other people have these perfect lives. And I'm like, no one has a perfect life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that is one thing that our, at our home, it is a big no, no. We do not have phones at dinner. We sit down and we eat dinner together when we're all together. Phones are not a part of the equation. Um, and, and I, I think that is one thing that I that our younger generation is missing out on yeah. is that personal interaction but you know it's funny you see that in in people our age i know i mean it i've been i've attended meetings where you've got a world renowned speaker and you've got leaders here in the community who are sitting there looking at their phone Isn't that and i'm crazy?
1: like
0: i'm like oh my gosh shut it off this guy is or this woman is saying tremendous things mm-hmm. and you're not even paying attention. Right. I mean, um but it's a habit. It is. And it's a habit for everyone. And and it's it's just something that we have to stop doing. And I agree. And I think it's I think they are we are finding um uh, the negative side to that uh in because it's isolating, I it think. Is. Uh and it also like it, I think for those who Maybe lack confidence, I think it, it really is a demoralizing because really they feel is. like i I can never measure up to this right. and uh, and that's just not the case
1: it is it's so true I mean it's kind of like that example I gave of watching the homecoming mm-hmm. kids but we but even I me and my wife were Saying that, the, the, where's the interaction? You know, and I remember when I was 15 and 16, you know, and I went on a date and had a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, passing those, but we're talking, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, oh, he's my boyfriend. I'm like, you guys haven't even met. He goes to this school and you go right. to this, and you're like, how do you, you don't, you yeah. even met each other. Oh, we're we talking. I'm like, what? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's crazy. We're
0: talking. That's yeah, it. We're they're talking. talking right? Yeah. Mm. <laughs>
1: Now, I I just love this conversation. What's next? We haven't talked much about uh, BALCO, but uh, give us a plug about what you guys do and and where you guys are going and what you're excited about for the future.
0: Okay. Well, uh, uh, BALCO, we are a manufacturer of uh, architectural building products for the commercial construction industry. And uh, the business started in 1959 in a gentleman's garage, Claude Balzer's garage, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's grown uh, to, here in Wichita. Uh, here in Wichita, yeah. started here in Wichita, and uh, it's grown to multi million dollar company and um, and we sell products all throughout the world. We sell we have products uh, in the Hong Kong Convention Center, uh, at the Palms uh, Resort in Dubai. Um, um, San Francisco Airport, uh, Seattle Seahawks Stadium, uh, the Statue of Liberty. We just shipped uh, some material to the Statue of Liberty awesome. and, uh, and um, uh, the African-American Museum in Washington, D.C. So our products uh, make buildings safer. Yeah, And um, it allows a uh, one of our biggest product lines is an expansion joint cover. It allows a building to expand and contract due to seismic conditions or thermal uh, expansion and contraction. And uh, as you know, there's a lot of earthquakes going on here in Kansas, and uh, that's part of the building code. Uh, not so much here, but definitely in the larger seismic areas like California, uh, in the Middle East, uh, in uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, Mexico, you know, where, where there's a lot of uh, uh, act- seismic activity going on. And uh, we sell all throughout the world uh, to make buildings safer.
1: I bet you it's fun to travel with you. You probably geek out when you go in the- and, <laughs> hey, look, there's our handrail. That right well, here? yeah, my kids are like,
0: mom, get off the floor. Uh, <laughs> right. Because we're, you know, because we are in airports. We're in schools. Right. We're in, we're right. in high rises. We're at a, a lot of our stuff is out in Las Vegas. And, uh um, anyway, anything with a large concrete footprint, as far as the building is concerned, and so yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, but on the other hand, they're always like, "Wow, Mom, you have stuff in the, yeah. you have stuff in the in in the Pentagon." I'm like, right. "Yeah, we do." It's and, pretty
1: cool. When you can think that, you know, and point to something tangible that you've created here, and it's fun for me because, I mean, you don't even hear about this you know and this happening right here in in our own hometown and you don't even know, you know what i mean it's like right. people don't well, know well it's it.
0: It. it's all those little component parts mm-hmm. you know it's in and we're definitely in a niche yeah. uh, uh, portion of the construction industry but you know we bring value and we and ultimately you know and, that, and that's where we have to you know it's important that are we are a stable and viable company because we do provide products that ensure the safety of the occupants and um, and so in that respect, I mean, that's another thing that keeps me up at night. We've got to be making sure that we are doing everything that we can to build the best product so that, you know, so that uh, uh, our fellow citizens are safe.
1: I love that. And I love how you articulated that. And it's probably pretty fun for you as a CEO. I contend that if you want to get, doesn't matter what the product is, get people engaged. If people feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves, what they're doing, they're going to be More engaged, right? Right. And the way you articulated it, it's easy to wrap my arms around that Mm -hmm. kind of mission, right? Because you look at the products by themselves, like, oh, this isn't sexy, right? But then you put that around, right? Definitely not, right? But then you put that context, right? Right. And I think that is the role of a leader and a CEO is to paint that picture. Yeah, okay, this handrail or this concrete, whatever, you know, this isn't Mm -hmm. sexy, but look what we do, right? 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 And that is, I think, your primary one of you as your CEO, your primary role is to continually convey that message, right? Right. And, That's exactly right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I've loved this conversation. I hope you got some value out of it yourself. Well, it's I been fun. I appreciate it. Thank you, you know? for the
0: opportunity. It's, it's uh, been a very good experience, and I appreciate that. How
1: can people reach out to you, find more about you and, and BALCO?
0: Well, uh, if, if they want to fall, find out more about our products, they can uh, log on to our website, www.balcousa.com and um, it will, they can see all of the features uh, of the products we offer as well as some of the uh, applications that uh, that our products go into and find out a little bit more about our team and, uh, and what we do. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we will we'll continue to grow and thrive and, and, and be around for another 60 years. That's our goal. I love it. Thanks for coming on the show. It's all been right. so much fun. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to this special entrepreneurial and leadership series The Dose of Leadership brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Make sure to subscribe to Dose of Leadership where you can hear more great stories in this unique and special series. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a listen to all of my Dose of Leadership podcasts all of my episodes and see why Fortune, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine all recommend this as a must listen. Dose of Leadership features candid conversations with amazing guests, leading high-performing experts and organizations, large and small, all over the world. Find Dose of Leadership on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and go ahead and visit doseofleadership.com where you can find out more information about the show, myself, my speaking engagements, my keynotes, live seminars, and my mastermind events. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great day.